Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. John chapter 4. Remember last week we talked about uh, the story of Jesus when he came into Samaria and he sat at the well because he was wearied from his journey. And a woman came, a woman of Samaria who's, um, according to the Jews, might as well not even be a Jew. They're half Jews. And so there was a lot of prejudice uh, there. And so he gets into a conversation with this lady, and we saw that she had lots of barriers, lots of barriers in her life. And, and what it means to let the Spirit of God flow through, you want to get rid of all the barriers so that we can freely flow in the things of the Spirit and freely walk in this beautiful walk that we have with God, free of the hindrances, have relationships without barriers. Amen? I don't mean healthy barriers. I'm saying non-healthy barriers. <laughs> you need to have some barriers. Um, but it's, it's very interesting. But we're going to jump down to verse 34 of John chapter 4. And so the disciples had come back, and they see that he's talking with this woman, and they're kind of wondering what's up with that. And um, so they say, Lord, you, you need to eat. And then this is Jesus' response to them. He said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See that? This is my food. This is, my, this is what I live for. This is what I live by. To do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus came. We understand his mission was to do what the Father told him to do. He said, I don't do anything that the Father didn't tell me to do, and I don't say anything that he's not saying. All right, I am here to show you him. And if you've seen me, then you've seen him. Aren't you grateful to God for that? If you ever question what the will of God is, because there's lots of ideas out there and a lot of stupid ideas, a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of ignorance when it comes to God, right? You just kind of do these general statements about, well, God must have a plan. Whoa, 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 hang on a second. No, he's, he's not schizophrenic. He's not good one day and evil the next. Huh? That's not who he is. He's good. He is the essence of good. All right, and so Jesus came to represent the Father to us, to show us who our Father is. He never went, you know, Jesus never made anybody sick. He never killed anybody. Hmm? He didn't go around causing calamities. He went around healing. And he went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so... Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, right? So we understand that there's a real devil in the world, and Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you can know if there's some stealing, killing, and destroying going on around you or in your life. You can say, you can't, that's when you don't go, well, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? You say, no! You take authority over that stupid devil and tell him to get out of your life and declare what God has said, that he came to give me life and that more abundantly. Hmm? So he said, I'm here to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I love that he ended on the cross saying, it is finished. I love that. Verse 35, do you you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Tell your neighbor, lift up your eyes. Come on, tell somebody else, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. In other words, he's really given an analogy of corn, and when they, it turns that certain color, yellow or white, it's time 
to put the sickle in. It's time to harvest. But look at this. He says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Now, harvest times varied depending on which seed was sown. Some harvest took, you know, uh, a few months. Some of them maybe four months, but others took longer amounts of time. So Jesus, uh, more than likely, he isn't talking about a particular saying that they have. But scholars actually believe that Jesus is talking about this moment right now, that they realize at this time, we're four months away from harvest coming. And he says, Are you, I've heard you say this, that we're four months but I'm telling you, now he's going to show a kingdom principle right in the moment that they're living and help apply it in the realm of the spiritual things. And he says, look up. Well, what are they looking at? I say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. So what are they looking at? What is he having them put their eyes on? Look at, the, look at verse 39 for just a moment. We're going to skip down for just a moment. Verse 39. Look what he says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. This is the woman at the well, right? She comes back into town, starts telling everybody. Look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. You have to understand that Jesus has them look up because the entire city is now coming out toward them. And he says, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're white into harvest. Here's the harvest right here. This is what we're after. Remember when I told you that I would make you fishers of men? This is that moment right here. This is beautiful. So he gets them to look there and says, it's time to reap right now. Look at verse 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. This is so powerful. So you see he's making this a kingdom principle, not just talking a natural means. Now he's saying this is what we're really here for. Hmm? This is the thing that's going to last forever. Gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Ooh, that's another message in and of itself. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. So what was the labor? All right, so he gets them to see all these Samaritans. Well, who did the laboring? Hmm? Jesus started the labor by sitting at that well and having this conversation and then telling her, I who speak to you am he. When he's, she said, I know the Messiah is coming. He said, he's right here, right? And, and then he called her out on her kind of truth. Go call your husband. I have no husband. He said, <laughs> he said yeah, yeah, you've had five of them. And the one you're now with is not your husband. In that you said truly, all right? But he still, he said, you started the story, but I'm going to finish the story, all right? And this is how, and then when she comes, she runs back into town, remember, and what does she say? She says, come see a man. Don't you know everybody in the village is like, another one? Come see a man. He told me all that I ever did, right? Six men in her life, and we talked about those six barriers. All those failed relationships had formed some wall in her life, but the seventh man came, and all the walls came down. The perfect man. And when he showed up, then he, he labors and sows the seed right, gets the message to her, then she takes it to the entire town. And she starts, come see a man. He told me all that I ever did. 
right? She gets everybody stirred up. They're thinking, what is going on with this woman? But we know that some of them believed what she said. So much so that their curiosity got the best of them that they got up and they started heading out to where Jesus was. Lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. There's the harvest. Somebody has labored, and now you're here to reap. Now you're here to reap. And my family, our lives as Christians, the eternal things, when it comes to our life and the eternal things, laying, bearing fruit, eternal fruit, has to do with the souls of people. Because forever and ever and ever, we're going to worship God. Right? Forever. I mean, when, when John talks and gives us a description of heaven in the book of Revelation, he talks about how they're gathered around the throne and they're all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Right? Every tribe and every nation, every tongue are worshiping him. We, so we know that that is something that we're going to be doing. By the way, heaven's not just one big church service. <laughs> in case you were kind of troubled about that like I used to be. I'm like, I'm going to be in church forever? We don't, even, we don't even have a clue what all is. But it's going to be good. It's going to be impossible to be bored. You won't even have a phone, and you won't be bored. Imagine that. There is life after the phone. Um, and, 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 um, and we'll always, we'll always uh, be with one another edifying each other, you know, in fellowship with one another, and just enjoying our relationships in Him. But we'll never, ever tell anybody else, have the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus in order for them to be saved. That era will be over. See, that time is now. That time is now. This is it. And there are souls out there that are crying out for an answer. They're crying out for some security. They're crying out for God. Because the truth is the only one that can really meet every longing, yearning in our heart is the man, Jesus Christ. People don't know that they're looking for him, but he's what they're looking for. They don't realize he's the answer. He's the everything. The scripture says that we are complete in him. So there are a lot of people walking around incomplete, right? And they sense that incompleteness. They sense that void. They sense that lack. And so try to fill it or to entertain it or try to huh, numb it. But Jesus is the answer. He's it. The Scripture says that in your presence is fullness of joy. This is Psalms chapter 16. And at your right hand. Well, what's at the right hand of God? His son. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's why I'm saying he is every pleasure. He's the delight of our hearts. And when we connect to him, we realize that there's no hope for us outside of him. But in him, there is nothing but hope. The scripture says that that hope is an anchor of our soul. It's sure and it is steadfast. Huh? 
And it's found in that man, Jesus Christ. So no matter what storms may come, no matter what troubles may happen, we have an anchor. We are anchored in him, and that is the assurance we have. Because he's the one who bled and died for our sins. He was punished for our sins. He was blamed for our straying. And God blamed him so that we could all make this beautiful exchange from sin to righteousness, from cursed to blessed, from impoverished to rich, hmm? from wounded and broken to healed. And he was happy to do that for us. And this glorious gospel, this is why we are sowers and we are reapers. Now, there are times in your life where you'll be sowing seed. Hmm? And a lot of times that happens amongst family members. But you know what it's like witnessing to your family, right? It's like a setup, right? They find out you're a Christian or suddenly a Christian. They just wait for you to say something, right? They wait for that cuss word to slip out of your mouth. And they go, and you call yourself a Christian. Huh? We're so good at the judgment game. Not so good at the mercy and grace. I'm not saying you. I'm saying other people. But you are perfect at it. Uh-huh, you bet. Anyway, and so even Jesus had struggle in his own town. You know, remember Doyle talked about that on Sunday. Came to his own people, and they're like, wait. <laughs> I love what he said. Wait, didn't you build my furniture and my, my bedroom set? Yeah, now, now you're the son of God, right? He came to his own. He said a prophet is, is not without honor except in his hometown. But then it says it, it, that he could do no mighty work there. Could do, not wouldn't do, could do because of their unbelief. See, he needs us to believe him so that he can release the mighty works. Uh, and so just, just know that. But you know what? He kept sowing seeds there. He kept sowing seeds. He kept scattering the seeds of the gospel. All right? Uh, we have a, a personal um, privilege and responsibility to share this good news, this good news that saves people, this good news that brings fruit to eternal life. Think about this for a moment, all the potential of this thought. And I know some of you uh, have already experienced this. But I, don't wanna, I want you to, I just want to help you, uh, uh, encourage you in your evangelistic efforts. There potentially can be someone in heaven because of you. Now that, that astounds me. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Because you took a moment to share that gospel. Well, I don't know, I don't know how to tell people. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Hmm? Believe on him. He died for your sins, so you don't have to die from your sins. Amen. He loves you. Oh, so this is so beautiful. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more, everybody say many more, many more. believed because of his own word. What caused them to believe? The word. Jesus said, the sower sows the word. This is beautiful. 
Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, I want to say something to, to finish this up tonight. Maybe to challenge you, to encourage you, and to maybe, maybe bring some correction, because I think all of us can fall into this trap. I mean, it's, it's easy. It's easy to become complacent. It's easy to become distracted, and it's easy to just become busy. You got to lift up your eyes. You got to keep your, lift up your eyes. Look up. Fields are white for harvest. The harvest is here. Now watch this. Jesus could have easily reasoned. And here, this, this, this kind of stings Eric Holler a little bit. All right? He could have simply reasoned as he sat by the well. What does the scripture say he sat down? Because he was tired. He could have just reasoned, I'm too tired to have a conversation. He was thirsty. First thing he said to the woman was, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to get food, so you know he's very hungry too. So he's waiting for some food. He needs a drink of water. He's exhausted from his journey, and this woman shows up. You know, and, 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 and there's also the awkwardness. Ministry ethics teach the pastor or men in ministry, don't meet alone with a woman. It's just, let's just keep things above bar. All right? Rumors can happen. I mean, all kinds of stuff can be said, and then it's her word against yours or your word against That's never a good situation. So, so for safety's sake, have a buffer, right? But he's sitting there talking to her by himself. He could have he reasoned all of these things out and, and, and maybe been justified in some of that reasoning. And then there's... Also, the fact that she's probably not the most reputable person in the community based on what we know of her. The fact that she was coming in to, the, to draw water at the heat of the day when women drew water in the cool of the day, meant that she was probably a bit of an outcast. Faced a lot of rejection. And Jesus could have thought, well, she has no interest in doing the right thing, so I probably won't do her much good. Hmm? Not many amens here. Okay. But I just think how many believers' consciences would have been satisfied with reasons like that? Yet Jesus, in spite of his fatigue, in spite of the hunger pains, in spite of his dry mouth, and the difficulties of this scenario, he sets about seeking for conversion for this woman, for a turnaround. So that she who came there bound up, bound up with barriers, could leave free. And what a glorious result. <laughs> I mean, the entire city was moved by this event. Wow. Wow. A great harvest was found, ready to be gathered in. I, I, I find that amazing. So I want to encourage you that. Do not grow weary in doing good. And if you do grow weary, keep doing good. Because it's in those moments, in those tired moments, in those I would just want to check out moments, huh? In those I, I need some me time moments, that great things can happen. The key is to keep looking up. 
Keep that heavenly perspective. Keep that eternal fruit perspective. Because this is of utmost urgency. Think about this. Somebody found you with that good news. Aren't you grateful that somebody sowed seed and you heard it and were changed? Your whole life was revolutionized. Oh, man, do we owe it. Do we owe it not only to others, but we owe it to the Son. Hmm? We owe it to Him whose blood was shed for all mankind. Huh? We need to help Jesus get as much of His reward as we can. Right? Not because, well, I need to go tell somebody about Jesus. I should. That's the right thing to do. Well, we all need to be a witness, yeah. Oh, Lord, give me a heart for the nations. If you have a heart for Jesus, you'll have a heart for the nations. You don't have to pray stupid prayers like that. Just have a heart for Jesus. Huh? Be consumed with getting him what he deserves. Amen. That's good, Pastor Eric. And sometimes, sometimes all you feel like you're doing is sowing seed. Sometimes that's all you feel like you're doing. But there's other times when that harvest shows up. We were sitting in the church office when our church was um, downtown. We were sitting in the church office one day, and this young Hispanic guy and his, and his girlfriend come in. No, it was his wife. They were, they were newly married. That's right. They walk in. I bet they're probably in their 20s. And they walk in. A lot of, we had a lot of people walk in, and, um, and we were there to meet needs and give some groceries to somebody who needed them or, or whatnot. So they walked in. I didn't recognize them, and so I introduced myself to them. And I wasn't the pastor then. My dad was. And, and uh, so I said, can I help you? And he just said, we just want to know, how do, how, how do you get saved? And I was like, the fish just jumped in the boat. I mean, I didn't even have to. Just jumped in the boat. It was glorious. The harvest just showed up. I had the beautiful opportunity to just share the gospel with them and pray with them. They received Christ right there. I wish it was always that easy. But the key is, keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Don't get discouraged in sowing the seed. Don't get discouraged by their rejection of you. Don't get discouraged by You just keep sowing the seeds. Hmm? Because it could be the next time you say it. Eternal fruit. Hmm? Believe in this message. Believe in its power to save. Hmm? And believe that Jesus has earned it. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, God, that your gospel came to us. And when we heard that beautiful news that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their sins against them. My God, what a turnaround. What a moment. To know that you're not angry with us. That you poured out all your wrath on your son. And now you're not looking at a sinful world. You're looking at a reconciled world. The world just needs to know that this is what you've done and this is how you see us. And that you've done everything on your part, from your side, God, to bring us to you and into the goodness of God and to be saved, to be born again, to be made eternally alive. But Lord, you're not going to force that on us because you gave us the gift of choice. But Lord, when we choose you, that's when we come into the power of this experience. 
when we simply believe. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. That not of ourselves, it, not of works. <laughs> not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't earn this. Jesus earned it. Now we receive it. Lord, thank you for this year that the doors open. And Lord, I pray that this year, it's not about seeing the opportunities. It's about seizing the opportunities. It's about taking that bold step and speaking up and speaking out and not being moved by fear or the fear of what may or may not happen, but just fully persuaded that the good news, the gospel, has the power to save. Thank you, Father. Let that burn in our hearts, God. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes up and to see what we're really here for so that we will echo throughout eternity the works that we do here, God. That we remember that rewards are being laid up for us, that our treasure is being laid up in heaven. We're storing up things in heaven, Lord. We keep that heavenly mindset that which is forever and ever and ever. Not be moved by these temporary things around us and be distracted and be busy so that we forget why we're really here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for giving your people boldness and confidence. And I thank you that you said, my spirit's in you, and he's going to teach you what to say. In the moment, he'll give you the words to say. If you'll just be that willing vessel. Huh? Why don't we just say, Lord, I'm willing tonight. I'm ready. I'm able because your spirit is in me. So, Lord, I will keep my eyes up and I will reap the harvest for the king and his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. I love you very much. As I've told you before, Wednesday night's my favorite service. I like Sunday, but I love Wednesday. I love it. It's a great time. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's lift our hands to the Lord for just a moment. Just a moment. Thank you, Father. Just take a moment and bless his name. And take a moment to thank him for answering your prayers. Thank him that when you ask, you will receive. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open. Thank you for the assurances that you have with God. It's not a guessing game with him. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. It's just a, it's just a matter of believing. Do you believe it? Do you believe you believe tonight that He will provide? Do you believe that He will perform what He's promised for you? Are you fully persuaded of that? Are you confident that God is on your side tonight? And that He has the victory for you. He has the provision for you. He has the way for you. He has the understanding for you. He has the wisdom for you. He has the help right now. Amen. He has the healing for you. Amen. Just, reach, just receive that by faith and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. That you know what we have need of before we ask, but you said, Lord, when we ask, woo, here it comes. So, Lord, we, we, we come out of here tonight. When we go out of here, Lord, we go in celebration of our God who 
makes our way prosperous and gives us good success. All through His Son. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Because He bled and died for our sins and was buried and rose again from the dead. And because He has victory, so do we. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, may the Lord bless you. Bless you in all of your house. Bless you in your marriage. Bless you in your children. Bless you in your business. Bless you on your job. Bless your cars. Bless your homes. Bless your stuff in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you. Oh, His face is shining on you. Amen. Since Jesus, He's doing nothing but smiling at you. And give you peace and be gracious to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.